I'm Robert Frank, and I never listened to I Doubt It with Dalmore. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dalamore. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Episode 457 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, extraordinaire, Jesse Dollamore. And I'm joined by my other host, the other host, extraordinaire, a Brittany Page. That was kind of aggressive. <laughs> I'm, I've been described as aggressive a time or two. You have? Brittany Page. That's I, shocking. I, yeah, I, I'm a little shocked by it, too. You're kind of meek. Yeah, I'm a meek and mild. Yeah. Kind of a milk toast character. Yeah. If yeah. you will. I mean, I didn't want to tell you that. <laughs> oh, um, no, you didn't. I figured uh. you already knew. You have a lot of insight into yourself. I sure do. You know, I discovered new insight into myself this week because this is really embarrassing, but I my car has been having an issue with the driver's side door. I have... You know, the key, uh, the, the automatic lock thing. Yeah, I have the automatic key lock and unlock on my car keys and the key fob. Yes. And the button has stopped working uh, when I unlock my car door on the driver's side. There's some issue. Sometimes it, it works. Sometimes it doesn't work. And the first few times this happened, I was completely dumbfounded as to how to open my car door. <laughs> There was no solution available to me. So I even, I went so far as to get in on the passenger uh, side yeah. and pull the door handle. You did the old, the, the old crawl across. Yeah. The old cr- climb through. Yes. <laughs> so I, I ended up, I realized after I did this several times that next to the handle is actually where you can insert the key. Remember how you used to insert the key? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and then you can just unlock it right from the door. Very funny. But I guess I'm one of those people that when technology fails me, I just panic. Right. And there's like no other solution. Oh, no, the technology isn't working. What do I do? You have a key in your hand. Right. To unlock the door manually. Right. Problem solved. <laughs> Don't even need to go get the door fixed. Because yeah. I can always open it. I, it's funny. It's sad. No, I think it's funny. I I don't. Uh, I could see myself this happening to me. Really? I, well, for sure, I could see. Because you've become dependent on technology. No, it's as not well. dependent. It's just you get in a routine. You know yeah, what I mean? That could be it. That could be it. You get you get you get in the routine, and this is how it's done. And then it's like, oh shit! Well, there's and you're just you're singularly focused on getting in the car, getting in the goddamn car, so you can drive away. Yeah, it's not like you're. Let me sit down and troubleshoot this. I and mean, you shouldn't maybe have to sit down and troubleshoot it when you have the key in your hand and there's a there's an actual keyhole. Yeah. At least I didn't break the window or something. <laughs> oh my god. That would have been talk a about aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I bring my car in to get the window fixed. They're like, you could have just uh, put the key in the door right here. You see this little Yeah, thing? it's like smashing the window if you're locked 
inside. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But I figured it out. Everything's going to be okay. Don't worry about me, guys. Although it is weird. My door lock has stopped working. I yeah, don't know on, what's a, going on. on a very newish car. Yeah, newish. 2015. I'm I'm more alarmed at the spate of bugs that have been attacking <laughs> you lately. Yeah, this has been bad as well. I read some news story that like the population of bugs is decreasing and I'm really happy about it. I don't know if it's good for the earth, but it's good for me mentally. <laughs> right. um, Your anxiety levels have been in pretty pretty good area. Yeah, so my first encounter this week was a bee. I got into the car and All there right, was... I'm going to have to re-describe as you go along and, because I know you're going to act like this was a some crazy thing well i sat in the car um and you were driving and i was in the passenger seat and i realized that there was a bug attacking me a bee and it was on my shirt getting ready i'm sure it was in the midst of strategizing how it was going to go (laughs) for the kill it was just on your shirt it wasn't attacking it was well i'm saying it was strategizing it wasn't even walking it was just sitting there chilling strategizing exactly um <laughs> for how it was gonna go in for the kill uh you st- i was in the middle of moving the vehicle was moving that is and correct. you started to freak out yes so i lurched to a stop opened your door <laughs> i did the reach across opened the door your door from the inside across the way mm-hmm. and then bink, i just i thought <laughs> I, I i i flicked him do that do that sound again <laughs> I just flicked him, and he and he was gone. Yeah, that is how that actually went it was down. probably a she. I believe you, it was a honeybee. You saved us. You saved no, us. I didn't save anything. No, you saved us. I saved the bee from certain death <laughs> that you would have crunched him or sh- he or she. Okay, so anyway, the second encounter was a bug literally flew into my fucking eyeball. Yeah, this is not a joke. We have these bugs for some reason. We've got these bugs that. They look like they got a hard candy shell, and then when you touch them, they just like fucking disintegrate. Yeah, if someone could tell us what kind of bug that is, because it flew into my eye, and it was on my eyeball for at least a full minute as I was trying to get it out. That was what I was worried about, because they're they're the ones that disintegrate. They just turn into dust. Yes. And I was afraid if you tried to like scoop him out, uh-huh. that he would just... It would then become a, an exacerbated problem because he's in a million different pieces in your eye hole. Yeah. So this was really touch and go for a second. <laughs> um, touch and go. <laughs> uh, luckily, I was able to get it out, but it was really weird. I don't know how often this has happened to people. I asked you if you think of suicide. Bu- oh, I've had bugs fly in my eye, sure. And you had to get it out. You had to go fishing for it and well, get no, it out of your eyeball. No, because they're like, oh, shit, this is not the place for me. <laughs> and then they t- try to beat feet out of there. Yeah, this bug was not doing that. It was like it had found its new home sweet home. <laughs> right. And it was just ready to take up residence in my eye. Yeah. And I was trying to claw it out with water, like flushing it with water. Trying okay, to- Clawing and flushing are different no, I was doing, I was alternating between the flushing and, <laughs> and the, the clawing, <laughs> and eventually I was able to get it God out, damn. so, yeah. <laughs> this is unbelievable. Well, it happened, so it's actually not unbelievable. No, your reaction. Oh, it oh was, I see. It was pandemonium. It was, it was, <laughs> it was panic. Well, it was another attack. attack. I don't understand why I have to be treated this way by bugs and animals. It's a dumb bug who flew the wrong way. Into my eyeball. <laughs> yeah, well, the wrong way. Yeah, well, 
if anyone else has had this experience, I'd love to hear because I feel very singled out right Save now. Save your stories. Nobody wants to hear that <laughs> bullshit. Anyway, we're going to move on. We've got some listener communication. We uh, First of all, let me say a couple things. We want, uh, I apologize for being a little late this week. Yes. We have been having a lot of shit go on that we'll talk about when we can. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is we had a great bonus episode with Robert Frank, the, the author of Success and Luck. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't, Listen to that episode. You really should. He's a he's a Cornell professor of economics and management in the School of Business, and uh, he's a smart guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think we'd have somebody on the show that yeah, that guy's a fucking moron. <laughs> well, we got a lot of great feedback on it too, which we always appreciate. Um, so thank you to those of you that reached out. But it it was a really great episode. It's a great book. Um, Success and Luck, Good Fortune, and the Myth of Meritocracy by Robert Frank. And it's just about uh, how chance and luck, just events that are out of your control, play a role in both your success and failure in life. Yeah, that it's not just Donald Trump doing it on his own. He's a maverick. Yes. So it's um, a strong argument against the pick yourself up by your bootstraps type thinking that is so common in conservative circles. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, thank you guys. We just love you and, you know, all the... The the patience that you have when we're a little late, and when I say we, I mean me, is always, <laughs> always me. Mm-hmm. And uh, you guys are just great, and I'm feeling super positive about the audience right now, and <laughs> it's not just a brown nose, it's not. Oh, oh, okay. It's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, let's get to some of those lovely people who have called in to talk about different matters that they have weighing on their hearts. Hi, Jesse and Brittany. This is Catherine from Minnesota. Um, so let me give you a little backstory first. Um, our attorney general in Minnesota, Keith Ellison, is embroiled in scandal. Um, he's, his ex-wife has made allegations of domestic violence during their marriage, and um, this came out shortly before the primaries, and I still voted for him. And now there's more evidence against him. Um, it feels like a lot of evidence. Um, and I believe her. But I am struggling with this um, decision because I feel like I still need to vote for him because he's a Democrat. And I, this is such an important election for Minnesota. Um, there's so much on the line. And um, I, feel, I feel like, you know, a hypocrite because Republicans all the time have to, you know, have been have known things are messed up and, like, plug their nose and still vote for, you know, questionable people of questionable character anyways. And now um, Democrats here are stuck in the same position. And um, I'm not sure how to go about dealing with this because not voting or voting for Republican, it just it, – it conflicts with my values. But Keith, what Keith Ellingson did – also conflicts with my values. So I'm not sure what to do. I'm thinking maybe vote for him next election, primaries come around, vote for somebody else. I don't know if that's the right approach. I'd love some advice from both you and maybe listeners from Minnesota or anywhere who have dealt with something similar. So thank you. Love the show. Bye. Catherine. It's a great call. Yeah, it's a great call. It, it, it is. Uh, let me say this. I, I'm not going to tell you 
what you should do because I don't think anybody has that has that right or has that ability to be inside your head and prioritize for you. You got to do what you feel is is uh, aligns with your values. For I can't sure. I can't tell you what I would do. <laughs> um, I would not vote for this guy. And no, let me let me back up. If I don't know much about the the details, the the, the allegations. I know that this isn't from like 20 years ago, that this is relatively recent because he was just divorced in like, like 2015 or something. Take these dates with a grain of salt because I, I don't know about the, all of them. I haven't followed this because, you know, he's running for a statewide office, mm-hmm. attorney general, not even governor. Mm-hmm. So the importance of his office isn't, as far as I'm concerned, as high as like a governorship or even a congressman. But, and, and I don't know about, you said now there's other allegations that come out and it's even worse. If you believe all that to be true, God, I'm, it's a long way getting here, but let me say this. If I believed like you do, that new allegations are even more serious and it sounds, oh, this bad, I wouldn't vote for the guy. Mm-hmm. And it's not a purity test. It's not like a, I can't bring myself to vote for Hillary Clinton, therefore Donald Trump is president. Yeah, mm-hmm. It's not something like that. It is, if the guy murdered somebody, would you vote for him? I think the answer would probably be no. We'll bring it down. If he, if he attempted to murder someone, would, I mean, where, where does it stop? Mm-hmm. And if it's he beat his wife, yeah, okay, I guess that's, that's good enough for me. I don't know. It wouldn't be good enough for me. I wouldn't vote for him. And it would be a bummer that a Republican is likely going to be, be in office. And still, I think Keith, Keith Ellison is running a good shot here. I looked at some of the polls, and while the race is a lot tighter than it once was, because he was a shoe-in before, it's it's still looking okay. Well, I think this kind of fits in line with what a lot of Democrats have been describing as the problem for them, which is Republicans continue to reward people who have behaved badly yeah. and do not add that into the math when they're doing their breakdown for whether they're going to vote for someone. So some Democrats have said, why do why do Democrats keep doing that? Why are we holding our people to a higher standard then the Republicans are holding their people. Yeah. And if we do this little competition thing, if um, Democrats start engaging in this, we're just going to go straight to the bottom. I That's mean, we're right. just going to sink straight to the bottom of the pit. Look, you, you might have a momentary short-term gain by having Keith Ellison as your attorney general. But ultimately... In the long run, it's going to be bad for America if we start adopting the tactics of the Republicans and turning a blind eye to the accusations of rape against, you know, uh, President Clinton. Mm -hmm. If we start playing the games, think about this. Think about how fucking disgusted you are at Republicans who make excuses for child molester Roy Moore. Uh. Le-jed-lee. <laughs> Think about that. Think about how aggravating, infuriating it is that the 19 women who have come forward with credible allegations against Donald Trump and Republicans, ah, they're all liars. If we start going down this road where, well, we got to win the election, 
It seems to me, and this is no shame if you decide to vote for him, Catherine. I know it sounds like that, but I really, I, I don't feel that in my heart. If we start going down that road, how are we any better than the Republicans? Mm-hmm. And we will set a precedence for ourselves that elections matter more than victims. Elections are more important than the dignity of that woman who possibly was abused by her husband. I don't know. Like I said, I know what I would do, but I, I, I wouldn't presume to tell you what you should do. And I think, I mean, hopefully we'll start getting to a point where we just start having better people yeah. uh, running, better candidates that don't have this kind of stuff in their background uh, because it, we will start to signal that this is not okay. Yeah, that's it. It's the signal that they they won't even fucking run because oh yeah, nope. Right, it's not going to work out for me. Yeah, uh, this is no longer something that I can overcome. Right. Yeah. Um, but it is a hard it is a hard decision, and we feel for you, Catherine. We could hear it in your voice. You know that you're labor. Yeah, you're laboring over this decision, and you're taking it very seriously, and, and you're that, doing the work to really evaluate what's right. That is awesome, and that is awesome. That's what's important, and we need more of that. So, whichever direction you choose, we appreciate the thought that you're putting into it, and that you are so involved in the process. I'd like to know which way she goes. You don't have to tell the audience, but if you feel comfortable emailing Br- Brittany and I, <laughs> uh, I'd love, you know, we just keep it to us. Mm-hmm. We, you know, I'd like to know how that goes. And also, like she said, a call to the listeners. If you are in this situation or you have been in the situation before with someone that you wanted to vote for, uh, call in, share your story. 657-464-7609. Email a voice memo from your smartphone. I doubt it. At dollamore.com. We have an email. (laughs) This is from Loki. And Loki is a bit peeved. So here we go. Here we go. Hey, guys. Okay. I'm going to be defending the actions of the woman that blocked a man from entering her apartment building. But I'll open up. I would like to note. Just pause. This is me talking. Loki calls the apartment building her apartment building. (laughs) Oh, yeah, right. It's their apartment building. Yeah, it's both of their They both live at the apartment building. Okay, back to the email. But I'll open up with the fact that I think it's complete bullshit that she called the cops on him after he opened his apartment with his own keys. But up to that point, I think she was fully in the right to question a person who was entering a building without using his key or being buzzed in. In the last episode, you called out a woman for not letting a black man into her apartment building. I've never lived in an access-controlled apartment, but I know several women who choose to because they have abusive exes. There's no way in hell they would ever let a man of any race into their building without them scanning in or being buzzed in. I've dog sat for a friend who explained to me that there's a clause in her lease that said she couldn't allow people into the lobby when she entered or exited the building, and if she did, she was liable for damages and could be evicted. If I was dog-sitting and I let someone in after I entered, she was the one who would be liable. I think it's actually a generally expected social agreement between tenants at access-controlled apartments that you wouldn't allow someone who hasn't been buzzed in or who doesn't have a key to access the building. Due to the fact that this is pretty normal policy, I think it's a bit much to presume that she didn't let him in because he was black or to presume that she would have let a white man in. 
I don't know what the policy is in her building, but at the beginning of the recording, you hear her say that keypad is right there. To me, it doesn't sound like the man opened the door with his key and then she rushed up and blocked him from coming in or that he was in the lobby of the building and she came up and asked him to prove that he lived there. She just didn't want to let him come in the door that she opened without him scanning in. Also, Jesse, I'd like to point out that you're kind of full of shit. (laughs) You misconstrued her interaction with him by saying that she completely changes her narrative, that she wants to meet her new neighbor after he opened his door. But she started saying that she would like to meet her new neighbor and would like to introduce herself to the neighbor while he's still in the elevator before he's ever opened his door with the keys. If I were in her situation, I would have just said, I'm really sorry, and this is nothing personal, but I'm not allowed to let someone come through the door who hasn't scanned in. I'm not trying to block you from coming in. Oh, hang on. We can dispense with this sentence because it's completely irrelevant what if I were her, this is what I would have done because she didn't do that. Let's talk about the facts of, of the matter. Okay. I also think it says a lot that she didn't do that, but... Loki continues. Also, you mentioned that she was blonde. Sure did. Does being a fake blonde girl make you racist, dumb, and have bad morals? Would you have mentioned her hair color if she was a redhead? I would like to know the answer to this as well, Jesse. Oh, you would. (laughs) Thanks for taking the time to hear me out, Loki. Well, I'm I'm kidding partially because I I heard you make that comment, obviously. And I am also a fake blonde girl. I'm not a natural blonde. Yeah. Well, and I listen. didn't make a comment about it because, I don't know, I didn't feel like you were being actually insulting of her being blonde. Yeah, I don't I think was, that that listen, was your intent. This is a, if this was a video show, I could throw a clip up and I wouldn't need to describe the girl with her little shit dog, <laughs> the, you know, the little yapping Yorkie or whatever the hell it was or Pomeranian or whatever. Uh, and then, you know, j- I'm just painting a picture and that she's this stereotypical chick with her Uggs and her, I, you know, I could have gone into detail about the whole thing, mm-hmm. um, about what, how was she was dressed to paint a picture of this person. That's what I was doing. I don't hold any contempt for her because she dyes her hair blonde. You hold contempt for me because I dye yeah, my hair it's blonde. It's all the other shit. <laughs> but l- let me address a couple things. No, not point by point. But I just wrote some notes while you were reading. First of all, she didn't call the cops until she had actually walked, watched, walked him up and watched him open his apartment with his key. Mm-hmm. She didn't call the cops in the lobby. She didn't call the cops in the elevator. Right. She didn't call the cops on route while they were. She was following him to his apartment. She called the cops after he had gone into his apartment and shut the door. So, what do you think that suggests? I mean, what would the implication there be that she wants to cause him a problem? Exactly. Right? That's exactly right. Because she's not concerned at this point. She sees the proof now. Well, I don't believe she was concerned while in the elevator. Right. And also, I want to say something about that. I don't know if this is on your list, but I've been in controlled access apartments, if that's what they're called. Mm-hmm. Um, and typically to go in the elevator, to even go up from the lobby, you also need your key there's fob. There's a fob, yeah. Not, so, to, not to enter the elevator, but to get it to move and go anywhere, there's a fob there. Right, that. and so I think he might have used it in the elevator, and that's when her tone switched, like Loki was saying. Well, I think I saw... I think there's... Well, first of all, him not having a fob, that's what she says. He definitely did. Um, she had cr- had the door cracked and was letting her dog take a leak outside. And then he went to, you know, oh, hey, the door's open. I'm just going to open and go in. And then that's when she got belligerent. Mm-hmm. Well, no, you can't come in. What, what apartment do you? 
listen. So we're taking her word for it on that. Here's, here's the deal. We have to look at the evidence on, on, on its face, but all of it, the entire picture of what went on. Mm-hmm. And the question I continually ask myself is, watching and listening to her interaction with this guy mm-hmm. and her tone in the elevator and the questions she was asking, her, her disbelief that he could live there. Who are you going to see? Right. <laughs> All of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it leads me to the question of, could I see her with the facts available to me and the, the, the picture that I've painted and, you know, my biases or whatever? Could I see her doing this to a white dude? Mm-hmm. Or would she have been like, oh, I don't know that guy, but he looks like he lives here. He could for sure live here and let him on in. Mm-hmm. And, you know. I have made the decision within me that no, I, I I think she would have let a white guy in and she was doing this to him because of implicit bias that then crossed over into racism. Well, and what Loki said about how they would have taken a different approach and said, I have to do this. It's in my contract. So don't she take it personally. Do right. But she didn't do that. And so I think that says something right there. Number one, we don't know if that is required of her. Also, can I just say that's ridiculous if that's required of people? Yeah. <laughs> you need to police your apartment building. You need, better... you need to know the hundreds possibly of people that live in your apartment building. Yeah. Know them personally and know their faces and know their schedules. So on the off chance you run into them when you're leaving or coming, you can say, oh, yes. Yes, sir. You live here. You are permitted to be in the building. Right. That's weird. Hire a security guard if that's what you want. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I don't know. Listen, um, one, I, I push back against being full of shit on this. I'm full of shit on all kind of stuff, but uh, <laughs> not about this, I don't believe. I think I'm right on this. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we do have an interview with her. We're going to have her tell her story. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we should do that now or play the other... Let's the, play the other opinion. The other voicemails. Yeah. yeah. All right, here we go. Thanks, Loki, for the call. The email. Um, you are mutually yes. full of shit. <laughs> hey, Brittany. Hey, you Jesse. This is Eric in the Midwest again. I think the last time I called was when that individual somewhere in Carolina called the police on that uh, African-American woman at the poll. Uh, so this call is in regards to the individual that called the cops. That's what I'm saying. Called the cops on that African-American woman at the poll called the cops on, now I'm talking about calling the cops on that African-American man who was trying to get into his own apartment. Um, The thing that gets me is these people are just so blatant. Like, they can't even be sneaky about their racism. I mean, it's just, you you could even think like, oh, hey, how are you? I've never seen you. You live here? Man, how long have you lived here? I've never run into you. But they can't even fake that. They, they're just so blatantly just get up in their face like they are just so guilty just because they're black. And it goes back to the Trayvon Martin when he was shot by George Zimmerman. He was guilty because he was a suspicious black kid walking through a neighborhood. This this attitude is costing people, young, you know, blacks their lives with the police in you know, private citizens. It it just kill. It, it, well, I shouldn't say wrong wrong phrase, but it's just 
is disgusting. So that's my take. I don't know if you agree or not, but it's just disgusting. Talk to you later. Bye. Thank you, Eric. Yes, we agree that it is disgusting. And I. it is interesting to hear from the woman, um, have her tell her story. And it is interesting because she got her story from Loki, which is weird. I didn't know they were in communication. Um <laughs> I don't know how that message got to her, but she got it. Uh, so here is her alibi. <laughs> yeah, this is a news package from the local news, or I think Channel 2 News there in St. Louis. And uh, just, you can make up your own mind. We are hearing the other side of a story that's making national headlines. A white woman inside a downtown loft building not letting a black man inside Friday night has hit social media and gone viral. And the woman in the video says he didn't have a key fob to get in and forced his way inside. She reached out to me to tell her side of the story after being called a racist and receiving death threats. It's an exclusive interview you will see only on Fox 2 tonight. She's blocking me. Into my building. Okay, and it's my building as well, so I need you to get out of my way. Okay. This is the viral video of Hillary Thornton trying to stop Darion Tolls from entering the Elder Shirt Lofts just off Washington in the city. Thornton wanted people to know her side of what happened. So when I noticed an individual that I did not know, my only intent was to follow the direction that I had been given by our condo association board members repeatedly, and that is to never allow access to any individual that you do not know. Thornton showed us several emails from the association stating what residents should do when dealing with a situation like this. Hillary says Dorian said he was trying to get into the building as she had the door cracked as her dog went to the bathroom. And I simply asked if he lived there. Because the direction from the condo association is so repeated that if you don't know the person, you do not let them in. Thornton adds she told him she couldn't let him in, then asked if he had a key fob. That's the only indicator that any resident has that they live in that building. He would not answer me. He would not show me one. She says that if he had one, he could have used it to get in and wouldn't have needed her to let him in. Did he force his way in? There was an altercation at the front door, and that's how he got into the building. Do we see that on video? You do not. The camera was pointed at the ground. But you hear me say something along the lines of, oh my gosh, are you serious? To which he replied, go ahead and call the police. And you see my keys in the door. She followed him to his room until she realized he had door keys to get into the room. After the video went viral, her company, Tribeca STL, fired her for racial profiling. They do not own the property where this occurred. She says she has had death threats as well. When you're called a racist, how does that make you feel? There are truly no words. That is absolutely false and heartbreaking. And those are words that truly cut deep. Thornton, who is still legally married to an African-American man, says she would not change one thing about what she did Friday night. Case Law closed. President Lynn Schlosser <laughs> was mugged one year ago in front of the same building's front door. She says she supports Hillary. Would you have done the same thing? I, would, I do it all the time. I've had even UPS drivers, FedEx, they'll stand, they'll look at me and they'll say, I won't even ask. I said, I'm not going to let you in unless you buzz the resident you're going to or have your code. It's it's in order to protect everyone that lives there. No, I do not think that I did anything wrong. I 
upheld the ask of me to the, its fullest extent. Did nothing wrong, wouldn't do anything different. So she would have gotten in the elevator with this guy who was a threat to the building and follow him, peppering questions at him the entire time. I just want to meet my new neighbor with her tone. And then watch him walk into his apartment saying, oh, I just want to meet my new neighbor. And then call the cops. She'd do the same exact thing. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm imagining the scary moments I've had with men throughout my life. And when I have felt fearful, my impulse, especially if I'm alone, is not to lean into that situation. <laughs> yeah. It's to get away. Ninja style. Yeah. Um, because although I used to like dance around on the deck when I was a kid and throw wooden stakes like I was Buffy the Vampire Slayer, <laughs> I'm not. And um, You are not. Yeah. I mean, like if I'm you you know, know, bugs freak you out. Yeah, if I feel <laughs> if I feel reasonably capable, right? Yeah, sure. Based on size or something, maybe. Uh, but typically in the past. It can get scary. Yeah. So if she was actually frightened in this situation, I don't think she would get on the elevator. Right. I think she would have immediately called the police and said, there's a dude here. He just forced his way in. I need you guys to come verify what's happening here because I'm afraid I'm going to stay on the phone with you. I'm watching him. You know, something yeah, yeah, yeah. something like that. Well, listen, there, there's a bunch of things I have in my mind that I'm not going to speculate on because we it, it doesn't it's not the facts. But I don't know, it, you know. I do understand the impulse of protecting your building and and not wanting someone in there who might do harm. Uh, Like the woman who they talked to at the end. I don't know who she was, uh, who got mugged or something and who doesn't let people in. I understand that impulse for sure. Um, It just doesn't seem like what was happening here. That's right. I don't think it's it doesn't line up with her behavior that we heard. Her tone, her behavior, everything taken into account. Mm-hmm. It's not the the story she's telling with her, oh, it's heartbreaking. My ex is a black guy. Some of my best friends, y'all. Come on. It doesn't line up with her tone and everything else that we heard. So, um, look, it's maybe it's not as easy, but it, it is certainly not... Uh, as cut and dry as, oh, it's very clear that she was just taking care of the building, mm-hmm. you know. So anyway, thank you for the call. We appreciate it, Eric. We appreciate it, uh, Loki, the email. Uh, we have one more that kind of deals with this. Someone had a, a similar uh, experience about living while black and uh, regular caller, Kelly from New England. Hey, Jesse. Hey, Brittany. It's Kelly from New England. Well, first of all, Congratulations, Jesse, on getting your flu shot. I'm so glad you followed my advice. Um, <laughs> How dare you, sir? I'm calling back because I know my last call got cut off. Um, oh, other fun thing before I get into my story. Did you guys know that Kanye West first got famous when Harriet Beecher Stowe wrote that book about his cabin? Yeah. <laughs> fun little celebrity trivia. Anyway, so uh, when I was 19 years old, I was living in a very affluent suburb of Boston called Wellesley. It's a very uh, predominantly white neighborhood as well. And I'm African-American. It's going to become relevant. So um, I was living <laughs> with my friend. I'm going to abbreviate names. My friend Jay and her family, and she is the eldest of five girls. At that time, they were set between the ages of 17 and five years old. So uh, that's relevant. Now, I've been staying with them for months. Their, uh, their mother was very kind, let me stay while I was transferring and moving to New York, and she just let me stay with them. 
So people have seen me around the neighborhood, and they've seen me before that because she'd been my friend for, like, like the last two years of high school. So I'd been to the house. People in the neighborhood have seen me. And one day, all of the girls decided to go down to the convenience store at the end of the street. And uh, uh, M, the youngest one, went barefoot because five-year-olds are adorable and super great at planning. So uh, I'm getting ready to go to work. I have my car, and I'm, I happen to stop by the convenience store to buy cigarettes and smoke at the time. And M excuse me, says to me, oh, my feet are hot, Kelly, can you bring me home? I said, sure. I hugged one of those other sisters goodbye, and I was like, okay, girls, I'll see you guys later. I'm going to go to work after I, I drop M off. So I drop her off at the house. I don't get, like, two blocks before, like, two, three cop cars show up, and then two more came later. The female police officer that talked to me was very nice. She said they got a call saying that I had kidnapped a small child, and since they did not see a small child in my car, I explained what happened. They go to the house. By the way, when they're there, they kept asking if I was the help. Oh, is she the nanny? Is she the, the – was she? how are you wow. hiring her? And she's like, no, she's a family friend. The, the mother saying this to them. But it became this big, huge thing, and I was absolutely terrified that I was going to be harmed, and they were, like, asking me these questions and then kept asking me the same ones over and over again. And it was just a terrifying thing, and it was just like, oh, right, I, I, I can't, you know – pick up a child I've known since she was born <laughs> and bring her to her home because that is kidnapping. Anyway, love the show. Brittany's the best part. I hope this did not cut off. Bye. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. I can't even imagine. Yeah. I mean, seriously. How I, frustrating that would I, be. I, I've talked about in the past that I'm, I have the privilege of not being respectful to cops and there's, I have zero fear. There's been times where I'm like, I've called cop. You're being a dick right now. Yikes. You're being unreasonable. Mm -hmm. And I've gotten not aggressive, like physically, because, you know, that's a bummer for everybody, but mm -hmm. um, certainly verbally. Mm -hmm. And I, that's my right. I have a right to do that as an American, just as a black man does, just as a black woman does. However, things end indifferently, mm -hmm. oftentimes, as we know. Mm-hmm. If that were to be the case with black people, mm -hmm. and it just it's it's a it's a it's a discrepancy that should not exist. Well, I love these "don't tread on me" types who, whenever yeah. whenever they hear these kind of stories, well, why don't you just fall in line? Yeah, that's right. Listen to authority. Oh, is that what you do? Yeah, yeah. is that you what, what you I do? said? Don't tread on me, and then he smashed me with his billy club. Well, maybe you should have just let him tread on you for a second. <laughs> God damn, perfect. Will do. Thanks a lot. <laughs> You're really consistent. So anyway, thanks everybody for the calls. We appreciate it very much. If you have something to say to us, if you have something to share, if you have something to dissent with, we'd love to hear it. 657-464-7609. Email some voice memos from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash idoubtitwithdollamore. Juan. Juan. Juan is a new Patreon supporter. Mm, new. And then we have Jamila. Jamila. Who upped her pledge. That's... 
is fantastic. It is beautiful. Thank you so like much. Paul Harvey. I did a little Paul Harvey move there. Yeah. So I'm finishing a book right now, and I'm going to try to get that author on for a bonus episode. I think it will be interesting. She is a laid, so we're trying All to get right. we're trying to get more laids on the show. And um, we want to remind you guys about the Thanksgiving episode. We're going to start harassing you. Now, about oh, it. now it's time. I mean, yeah. it's it's uh, it's no longer too early. Listen, we already got a submission, which is great. We need more. Go listen to the past episodes. We are going to post one of... I've put some of them on YouTube, and we're going to put one of them on the Facebook page yeah. and in the Dollamore listener group so you guys can get a distinct flavor for what we're going for. Yes, and just some criteria going into it. Uh, do not use your name. It's anonymous. Your name will be cut out anyway. You can use other people's names. In fact, we've had people do surprise kind of things for their loved ones. Hey, listen to this episode. And then, oh, there's a surprise message in there for them. Right. So you can do that kind of thing. Um, don't talk about how you love the show, although we appreciate that. Uh, but that's not what we're going for in it. And again, if you listen to the episode, you'll know why we're saying that. We're not just being dicks. Yeah. Well, well we're just not trying to kiss our own ass on Thanksgiving. That's, yes. that's not what it's about at all. At all, yes. You really listen. This is a meaningful thing. Well, it all every year it's meaningful to me. Yeah, because I think it's it's valuable to listen to other people talk about the things for which they are thankful that you might overlook or take for granted. Mm -hmm. We've we've had submissions where they just talk about they were having a bad day and they were pissed off about traffic or whatever, and then they went to the grocery store and they read. I'm getting emotional, and they realized. How fucking lucky they have it. They can just go down to the grocery store and and buy whatever they want. Mm -hmm. I'm getting emotional now. Yeah, too. it's just. <laughs> But it's this a, is the purpose yeah, of that. Yeah, that is it. So is it's, to initiate right. that reflection and try to have an uplifting episode. It's family friendly, so you can listen to it with your family on the holidays. Um, I won't say fuck shit, piss. Yeah. I won't call Donald Trump a cunt. Mm -hmm. It's guaranteed. Yeah. It won't so, even let it slip. Mm. <laughs> yeah, there, there's there, there's going to be no Trump talk on the episode. Also, That's right. it's not email. Don't send an email to us. It has to be your voice. You have to be talking. So, Right on. Mm -hmm. We love you guys. Thank you very, very much. Oh, and also, again, 657-464-7609 or email them, preferably email them in a voice memo mm -hmm. to idoubted at dollamore.com because it's just way better quality and I have an ability to... Uh, to do some audio magic. Yes. It's not really mad. I mean, just they're better. They're yeah. just better. Yes. Thanks, guys. Dollamocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So can we talk about this video I saw on Twitter that had me enraged? Oh, yeah. They, Is that where we're going first? Yeah, it was this short news package of a guy here in Orange County going to, I believe it was UCI, That's University right. of California, Irvine, which is very close to us, and talking to the adult students there who should be registered to vote, who should be passionate about voting, and they're not. Bus stop at UC Irvine. There are, I think, 26,000 kids that go to school here. And uh, if the Democrats can get all of them to vote for them, then maybe Republicans will be in trouble in this district. But I don't know. Sorry, not to be annoying, but we're with NBC News, and I'm just trying to figure out, is anybody here going to vote in the election on November 6th? Anybody? Anybody? Nobody's going to vote? Is anybody... 
So just to give you some context for what's happening, he's not standing on an empty street. Oh, yeah. He's at a bus stop right. where there are dozens of kids sitting on the curb. There's like a curb off to the... Right. And they're all staring at him, just blank. <laughs> Nothing's going on on their face. Part of me wondered... If there was something happening here where no one was raising their hand and so everyone felt uncomfortable to raise their hand, even if they were voting, just because of what everyone else was doing. You yeah, know, this happens yeah. with with people. Kind of like that experiment where they get on the elevator and they face the wrong way and then the guy, other guy gets on. He does the same thing. Yeah. yeah. So also the crickets were me. I added the crickets. <laughs> <laughs> it's not NBC being real snarky. <laughs> yeah. So just to paint that picture for you. You can vote in the congressional election in November. You are. Thank you, sir. Yeah. What do you care about? What do I care about? Yeah. Um, school. School. Cool. What about you? I'll walk with you to the bus stop. You guys get on this bus? Yeah. So if you were going to vote, what, what is the thing that's going to get your vote? Probably school. It's expensive. I was going to say, you're not talking about the issues that people talk about on the news all the time. The Russia investigation, the Supreme Court. You don't watch that stuff. I don't watch news. Are you registered to vote? Uh, not yet. Not yet. How old are you? 18. 18. So this could be your first election. Yeah. And ultimately, you could decide whether or not the House of Representatives is in Democratic or Republican control. Are you thinking about all that? Um, not currently. Maybe if I took more time to like get informed about like what's going on right now in politics. I assume that the people voting have at least some idea of who they're voting for. Are you going to vote? I should. We're like the most unreliable voter demographic, so I should vote to like increase those numbers, you know? Well, that's what the Democrats want. <laughs> but they can't count on you guys necessarily. No. No. Slowly, if you keep asking us these questions, the, the rest of the people our age are going to keep doing it. They're like, oh man, better vote. All the old people are telling us to vote now. <laughs> oh, am I old? No. <laughs> Older, sorry. Dude. So this is alarming to me because... She articulated why she should be voting and then said, yeah, I'm probably not going to do it though. Yeah, and I just, I, I don't get this because I wasn't like this. So yeah. I don't really understand being this disconnected. And I know that it is the norm. Young people yeah. typically don't turn out at rates similar to older people. In fact, it's actually alarming how low the voter turnout rates are for young people, like 18 to 29. So I wasn't like that, though, and I don't think you were either. When I took my first government class in high school, I was activated. Um, I was so excited. I was yeah, in too. it. I was like, oh, I have these positions on things. And uh, my parents weren't really politically active. I mean, aside from being Nazis. Um, and I I didn't really. Was I supposed to laugh there? I was hoping for that. But yeah, you, you, you hate jokes. At, so. you, no, no. You, you, you gave me. The, there was a pause and a look. And then I was just going to let you keep going. But then I realized that was supposed to be a laugh line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, there it is. Here, not, just paste a, that in right after the not, joke. But it's not, it's not really funny. And it's also not, not true. Yes. But it, what I'm trying to say it, is sorry. they didn't really have political positions. Really. Right. They, they were just Republican racist. or Democrat. Yeah. And so they looked for the most racist candidate and they loved. They just happened to be Republicans. <laughs> right. They loved Pat Buchanan, for example. Republican. That was the only real politician I remember them ever talking about. Um, and I don't remember any issues that they really talked about, but because I was poor growing up, I really gravitated toward the party that emphasized social welfare programs and helping people escape poverty. Yeah. Um, and 
I voted for Obama the first time. That was my first election. And I even convinced my racist mom to vote for Obama. She had only voted one other time in her life for Ferraro. Geraldine Ferraro, another Democrat from New Jersey. But it it was because she was a woman. So my mom's very progressive in different kinds of ways. Apparently (laughs) so. She's just a white woman that she voted for. Yeah, I said, listen, I'm bringing you with me. You need to come do this. And I brought her with me to do that. Um, Yeah. So young people, that's what you have to do. You have to get excited about whatever issue it is that resonates with you. you know, I, and you have to convince the people in your lives to vote as well. Yes. You have to convince them, especially if they are people who are not politically active. That's your chance. You could double, triple, quadruple the power of your vote if you convince others to go with you. Right. Really. I mean, goddamn, think about the power of that. Yeah. So it's not even if you convince them not just to vote, but also to for whom to vote. Mm-hmm. Um, I, do you wonder... Do you think that maybe there's like an age thing here that these these kids, I'll call them kids because they're 18, even though they're grown, they're adults. Mm-hmm. Do you think they maybe that they they conceive of themselves as children? He's talking about the old people. Like, because w- when I was 18, I was in the fucking Marine Corps. Mm-hmm. I didn't look at myself as a kid. Yeah. You know what I mean? So maybe there's some weird. I have no idea. I don't know why I'm asking the question that we can't answer, but that's what I do. So. Um, <laughs> it just—it seemed that he had a very childlike view of it uh-huh. when I most certainly did not, because I knew the people. You know, if I'm going to vote for people, they could send me to die. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I. That's certainly they're stupid about it because she articulated everything that yo uh, our voting group is the most unreliable. I probably should be doing that. Are you going to do it? Yeah, probably not. Well, it makes me think of that quote, and I don't remember it at all. It's something like not being involved in politics is a form of privilege. Yeah. And I don't want to say that you, a lot of people experience the importance of politics when they encounter moments in their lives. But that seems to be a phenomenon that exists because like Jimmy Kimmel, for example, became really outspoken about healthcare when his son um, had that heart issue. Yeah. Uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus just came out. She said she's always supported health care for all people, but after facing breast cancer and realizing how difficult it would have been had she not had the health care that she had and, and the ability yeah. to just take off work that she had, she doesn't know what she would have done. Um, so now she is like advocating for health care for all. Um, and a lot of these issues are tied to personal experiences that kind of wake you up to the realities of the world. And I think it's similar for me. When I started learning about these issues, I thought, wow, this affects me. This impacts my family. Sure. Um, these are important issues, and I need to take a position on them, and I need to advocate for these things. We should also not let it go by without saying that UCI is filled with rich kids. It's It's a state school, but it's rigorous to get in um not everybody who goes there is a rich kid just like not everybody go who goes to harvard or yale is a rich kid but it's it's a well-to-do school if you were to do a poll most certainly those kids are well off i would assume that it's probably above average yeah Yeah. i would think that's probably fair so anyway just we're we're, we're talking about this to illustrate that it is important Mm -hmm. we've got you know just over two weeks to go here um Start thinking right now, today, and over the course of the next couple of days, who you're going to target to bring with you. Mm-hmm. 
how you're going to talk about it to them, mm-hmm. how you're going to sell whatever candidates you're going to sell to them. Mm-hmm. Because if if you're able to bring someone with you, you've doubled the impact of your vote. Mm-hmm. If you can bring two people, if you you get the math here. Yeah. Harley Ruda, who we're going to interview on Sunday, by the way. Next week, you'll hear from him again. Yeah. Running against Putin's congressman, Dana Rohrbacher. Mm-hmm. Real friendly guy. He won in primary by 125 votes. Yeah, it's crazy. It's unbelievable how close it was. 125 mm-hmm. out of the nearly 500,000 people in this district. It's crazy. Now, not, not Obviously, not that many people voted. But goddamn, it is, you got, you got to do this. And that's one of the excuses you hear from people is it doesn't make a difference. It and makes a difference. It does make a difference. And some might, are, well, it depends on where you live. Okay, yeah, that's probably true. But uh, it was very close here. And some people could have said that too in Orange County. Well, things aren't ever going to change because this that's is right. a red dominating district. Can we dispense with the things aren't ever going to change fucking argument? Yeah, if we keep thinking that, well, it's not going to happen. You have to try to get out there. This reminds me of Idaho. Uh, and the governor race there with Paulette Jordan. Yeah. And I keep hearing people say, well, she has no chance. Well, she has no chance because you're not going to vote and you're not bringing yeah. all of your friends. You're not sitting in the bar and saying, hey, friends, everyone in this bar, let's all register. Let's go vote. Let's like do a carpool. You know, that's right. Well, if, if a few dozen groups of people do that, it could make the difference. Right. Anyway, I'm going to quit whining and sniveling about it, but <laughs> but God damn it, make it happen, people. Yes, please. Listen, we're going we're gonna to wrap with a couple of stories. We promised last time on the show that we would talk about this Hillary Clinton interview. Uh, Donald Trump did an interview, and we're like, you know what? It's the same old shit with him, so I'm not gonna, we're not going to belabor that point. But I want to talk about this Hillary Clinton thing, because I have long not liked Hillary Clinton, and I, uh, I've been questioned by many people before. Of, you know, is it because you harbor resentment or you still hold those feelings from when you were a conservative? And I always said, no, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. And this is just evidence of why I don't like Hillary Clinton. This this interview um, where they specifically ask her about her involvement with uh, the, 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 the sex scandal in the 90s and their take on it. Would she do anything different um, what does she think about it now with the, with the perspective of Me Too? And her answers are, to say they're fucking tone deaf, is just not get, not selling it. Looking back, do you wish you had done things differently in your personal life in the 90s? And if you had, do you think it would have helped you politically in 2016? It's an easy question to answer no. No on both counts. I did what I thought was right, and I feel very good about that. But when you support women now who are running with their stories of sexual assault front mm-hmm. and center, does it make it more difficult for you to be forward as a supporter when you have not contended fully with the accusers in your own life? Well, no, because there was the most intense, comprehensive investigation. People forget that. And I don't. I remember it very clearly. And in retrospect, do you think Bill should have resigned, President Clinton should have resigned in the 90s in the wake of the Monica Lewinsky scandal? Absolutely not. So it wasn't an abuse of power? No. You do not believe he should have resigned? No. How do you contend with members of your own party now saying he should have? That's that's their right to their opinion. But they were not in the middle of it. So... 
this is problematic for many different reasons. And I also want to recognize that this is still a sore issue for Democrats. And every time there is discussion of Bill Clinton, a lot of Democrats try to say, you know, why does this matter anymore? Uh, shouldn't we move on? Well, it matters because he's going on a speaking tour. They are appearing with candidates that are likely going to be running in 2020. Yeah. They are invited on late night talk shows and do the ha ha. Here's my new book. And I think we're getting to a point where we're able to look back into the past and say, no, we were wrong about this. And I've seen actually a lot of liberal thinkers that have admitted I took the wrong position in the past, and I'm here to say that I yeah. I think that what Bill Clinton did was wrong. He should have been impeached, and um, he should have been removed from office. Yeah, not even public intellectuals. We're talking about like Kirsten Gillibrand from New York, who is an elected senator, and mm -hmm. she says that Bill Clinton should have resigned. Right. So one of the things that stands out for me in this is to say that it was not an abuse of power. Yeah, I wrote it down. <laughs> Monica Lewinsky, yes, everyone who might be listening to this thinking, well, she was an adult. She wanted it. Yes, she was 22 years old. She was an adult. She has said, I was not a victim. She has said that. But she has also said that going through the experience, it was very traumatic. She's been in therapy for a long time. I believe she's been open that she was diagnosed with PTSD. And she has said that she believes it was an abuse of power, reflecting on it now, even though she has always said it was consensual and she was not a victim. She still believes that. But you have to see here that the president of the United States has a responsibility with an intern, a young intern that is enamored by him. An unpaid intern. Right. That has no power, that is completely infatuated that he has to be the responsible one to behave appropriately. Right? Also, let's keep in mind, this isn't the first and only time Bill Clinton acted inappropriately. Of course. When he brandished his fucking cock and balls to Paula Jones in a hotel room without her permission. When he has been credibly accused by Juanita Broderick. Credibly accused of rape. Come on. I'm still processing the cock and balls comment, but um, <laughs> yeah. So yes, um, but I I think it's important because this this Lewinsky thing, like people still are willfully obscuring the issue, and it's not that she's a victim. You don't have to believe she's a victim to believe it was an abuse of power. This is why college professors can't sleep with their students. That's, well, they would be fired for doing what Bill Clinton did. He had a responsibility. As someone who was, what, uh, like 25 years her senior or something, 22 years her senior? I don't know. But I also want to say, um, as a part of this slow burn episode, that part of recognizing how slimy Bill Clinton is, is to understand what he meant by, I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Remember when he said that? Yeah. And everyone tried to say, oh, that meant that um, like oral sex wasn't sex, because Monica Lewinsky... Um, performed oral sex on Bill Clinton several times, and he never did anything to her. He never did anything for her. There was yeah. no reciprocation. He wasn't performing oral sex on her. He wasn't 
doing things to help her. Gratifying is, I think, the the yes. language he used. Yes. And it's because he the reason that he denied having sexual relations and that he said he wasn't lying under oath when he said that um, was because of his definition of sexual relations, which meant that the person who is touching someone is doing it to arouse or gratify, like you said. And so he says he never touched Monica Lewinsky in a way to arouse or gratify her. She had sexual relations with him. He didn't have sexual relations with her. Yeah, fuck you, man. I want everyone to take a moment and really take that in because how slimy is that? Yeah. So now we have Hillary Clinton who, yes, she forgave her husband. Okay, and that's perfectly within her right to do. But for some reason... She hasn't forgiven Monica Lewinsky and is still acting as though she was the problem here. Well, listen, she says she wouldn't do anything different knowing that she demonized these women as liars. Mm -hmm. Uh, Monica Lewinsky also, but also Kathleen Willey, Paula Jones, that this was this cabal of women as a part of this vast right-wing conspiracy to take down Bill Clinton, yeah, maybe they did capitalize on his mistakes and his bad behavior, but he fucking did the bad behavior. And imagine now mm-hmm. what you think about when supporters of Donald Trump demonize mm-hmm. these women, when supporters of Kavanaugh demonize Christine Blasey Ford and call her a liar. Mm-hmm. That she's a political, that she's a paid operative. Mm-hmm. If that enrages you, then this Clinton behavior should fucking enrage you too. Mm-hmm. There's no difference except for Republican and Democrat. So I'm wondering what would have been the response that you wanted to hear from Hillary Clinton here? Would it have been sufficient for her to say, in the wake of the Me Too movement, I have done a lot of reflecting on the past and I, you know, said things about women that I shouldn't have said. And I didn't fully recognize the responsibility of my husband in these situations to behave appropriately. And he did abuse his power. And that is shameful. I would have been shocked had she said that. But is that something? Yes, that would have been great. I would have been seriously. It would have been lots of holy shit. This is a wake-up moment for me mm-hmm. and her, mm-hmm. and I would have gained a, a whole new level of respect. And is it okay? It would have changed my mind. Is it okay for her to stay in the relationship with Bill Clinton? Yeah, while believing that, of course. Okay, so it would be the same for you if she said that while still being in the relationship. Yeah, because maybe he's changed now. Right, he's done a lot of work. I mean, he's- he he's still not copal- he's not coming clean mm-hmm. and. Oh, I apologize to the nation, and she's part of the nation. So that's an apology. That's a personal apology. Right. He's still being a douche about it, mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know, maybe it's just because he he he's. Yeah, right. I don't know. Right. But yeah, I don't. I don't think I wouldn't be as. That's aggressive to say you unless she divorces him. Fuck her. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not saying that. Yeah. No. Well, I'm just wondering because I think people when they make these arguments, they kind of just throw their hands up and say, "Well, what is it then? Like, what do you need?" And so I think that's a good answer for, well, this is what would have been good to hear. Yeah, that would have been great to hear. Yeah. Uh, There's one more clip. There are people who look at the incidents of the 90s and they say a president of the United States cannot have a consensual relationship with an intern. The power imbalance is too great. Who was an adult. But let me ask you this. Where's the investigation of the current incumbent? 
against whom numerous allegations have been made and which he dismisses, denies and ridicules. So there was an investigation and it, as I believe, came out in the right place. This is what is so weird about politicians is if you were having a conversation with a normal person who did this level of changing the subject, you would think they had a problem. Like yes. if you were telling your friend about how you just picked up something from the dry cleaners and they started answering, I don't really like dry cleaners, but let me tell you about this turkey sandwich that had yeah. this amazing avocado. Like you would wonder why, what is happening? That wasn't related to what we were talking about. Why are you saying that? Are you not processing language correctly? Yeah. And this was not the topic, but she tried so hard to say, well, let's talk about Donald Trump. Yeah. And she used her her pivot point, if you noticed, was, well, she's an adult. Yeah. But what's going on with these other investigations with with Donald Trump? Mm -hmm. Talk about what about ism. Mm hmm. God damn. And what a what a terrible, tacky, shitty, slimy way to do it. Right. Because, it, listen, no one disputes that Monica Lewinsky was an adult. But I'll say it again. If a college professor has a student suck his dick in a bathroom and it gets found out, that college professor, even with tenure, gets his ass fucking fired. Does he hold a, a higher, more important position than the president of the United States? And that's why, the, the because of the power dynamic? No. There is no greater differential of power than an unpaid intern versus the president of the United States of America. So I'm sure this is going to create a lot of problems for some people. <laughs> but... I think it's an important conversation to have because there's reason- still I think reasonable people can disagree. They're still around. They're still around. That's why it's relevant. So people are like, well, it doesn't matter anymore. He's not running for office. Yeah, but they are very influential. Well, and- I just also wanted to give kind of a justification for my my problems with Hillary Clinton. That mm-hmm. it's not just a holdover from my resentment and hatred of them mm-hmm. when I was a, a a rabid, you know, irrational conservative. Right. There, I had real reasons. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. this is a, it's a real reason. Yeah, for sure. He abused his office. He abused his power. Mm-hmm. He abused an unpaid intern. Well, also, I don't believe the thing about not doing anything to gratify her, because what about the phone sex that they were constantly having? Yeah. Was she the only one, like, giving descriptions of things that she would... That just is a bummer for tell, her. Tell me more about that. Yeah, <laughs> that it was just this constant, what are you doing for me? I mean, yeah. he just is so slimy. Yeah. It, it's really disturbing. So anyway, that's that's where that is. We'd love to hear from you, though, about it. 657-464-7609. Before we go, I'm going to wrap with this story. Uh, there is a little bit of movement on the Robert Mueller thing. You've probably asked yourself, why in the fuck have we not heard anything more about Robert Mueller in the last few months? And it's because, again, he's a stand-up guy who's doing a stand-up job. And we are in the midterms now. So he has pulled back relative to indictments. Um, because of that, he doesn't want to influence the election unduly because that would be inappropriate. Um, but there is new news. This is CNN breaking news. Breaking news. Special counsel Robert Mueller has been uh, keeping radio silence ahead of the midterm elections. 
But sources now say as investigators, they are pushing ahead with more indictments likely right after the November vote and a report to follow. And the president is also getting ready, naming a new White House counsel to help lead the fight against Mueller's report and against any new investigations that may be launched if Democrats take the House of Representatives. I'll speak with Congressman Denny Heck of the House Intelligence Committee. And our correspondents and analysts, they are standing by with full coverage. Let's begin with our justice correspondent, Evan Perez. Evan, you have breaking details on the Mueller investigation. What's the very latest? That's right, Wolf. The Mueller investigators have been anything uh, but quiet in the past month, even though, obviously, because of the uh, November elections, the, pres- the special counsel uh, has not done anything public in the past, uh, in this, during this past month. Uh, among the things that have been happening behind the scenes is, uh, uh, this, is, is Paul Manafort, the former chairman of the Trump campaign, ha- has been into the special counsel now as many as nine times, nine times giving dozens of hours of interviews uh, to the special counsel team uh, as part of his cooperation deal uh, after, fall, after pleading guilty to the special counsel charges last month. Also behind the scenes, Michael Cohen has been providing hours of testimony uh, to uh, the Mueller team as well as prosecutors from the Southern District of New York. And also behind the scenes, uh, talks have intensified between the special counsel and the president's lawyers. As you know, Wolf, uh, they have now received questions from the special counsel, from the investigators, and those lawyers, the president's lawyers, are now going through trying to provide written answers to the questions that have now been received from the Mueller team. And also, another part of this investigation, which is, has to do with Roger Stone, we know that as many as nine people associated with Roger Stone have now, uh, been, have now received subpoenas as part of the investigation. We know that at least a couple of those people have been having talks with the special counsel to provide information as part of this investigation. A lot going on behind the scenes. It's very widespread, I I must say. So what do you expect from Mueller right after the November midterms, only uh, less than three weeks away? Right. We expect that right after the the, we will see activity pick up. And that (laughs) includes uh, expected indictments uh, that the special counsel team has been working on. Uh, that we expect is going to happen very quickly after the after the November elections, and then we'll, uh, what the expectation is in the legal circle, certainly among the president's lawyers, is the possibility that a report, whatever report Mueller has produced, will go up to uh, Rod Rosenstein, the deputy attorney general, uh, sometime perhaps in December. Of course, the timeline here is everyone's guess. Mueller is not saying anything publicly. Uh, we know that because of these negotiations that have been going on behind the scenes, that it is possible this type of timeline will slip even further. So I've noticed that people are starting to feel less and less optimistic about the possibility that the investigation will bring something out. Yeah, I read a political art- article today. Yes. And I, I wa- I'm glad you brought it up. Mm-hmm. But say what you're going to say, and then I-, I have something to say. Well, there, there's just reports coming out that there's going to be bad news, basically, for the people that are hoping for good news. Yeah, I would... If you're basing that on the article that you read, is that we were talking about? Yes, I am basing what I'm saying on that article. Well, what struck me in that, and mm-hmm. that would all be bad news. Mm-hmm. Bad news that I would accept, though, because I trust that Mueller's going to do his job right. Um, the reason I don't trust all that is because they were talking to defense attorneys. And every time you talk to a defense, think about the times you've listened to Mark Garagos talk and <laughs> wanted to reach through the screen mm-hmm. and choke his stupid neck. That's their job to defend, 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 no matter what the behavior, no matter the guilt or innocence of their client. That's what they do. So I think it's just 
That's just fucking white noise. I wouldn't li- I wouldn't pay attention to that article in, in Politico today at all. At all. Mm-hmm. So and maybe that's just optimistic Jesse. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it, I think it is hard to say because one of the things that he has been known for this whole time is the lack of leaks. Yeah. Is the lack of information coming out. He's notorious re- for it. Related to updates about where the investigation is going. So it does seem unlikely that that is the case. Here's what I say. Think about all of the information we publicly know. Mm-hmm. That That's probably half of the information that's out there, and he knows the other half. Right. I think I heard that Manafort has been going in for interviews regularly lately as well. He's a cooperating witness now, like yeah. up to 50 hours or oh, something, I heard. Jesus, that's not good. That might be too yeah. many hours. I don't know. It was something... It's too many for Donald Trump, it was, I'll tell you that. It was something substantial. It was something substantial that yeah. when I heard it, I thought, oh, that's that's interesting. Yeah. I, we'll see. I mean, we're going to see. Why would they talk to him for that amount of time if he doesn't have anything to say? He wants to talk about that turkey sandwich with the avocado. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to leave you there. We'd love your questions. 657-464-7609. Of course, email your voice memos from your smartphones to I doubt it at dollamore.com. Uh, we are also, please send in your Thanksgiving submissions. Tell us about the things for which you are thankful to be submitted for the Thanksgiving episode, go check the Facebook page. Go check the Dollamore Listener Group on Facebook, that private closed group if you're a member of it. And uh, and check it out there. You guys can talk a little bit amongst yourselves, whatever, you know, how it is in the comment section. And uh, we'll see you next time. We love you guys. Damn it, we love you guys. We'll see you. For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollamore. This has been I Doubt It. I said, don't tread on me, and then he smashed me with his billy club. Well, maybe you should have just let him tread on you for a second. (laughs) God damn. Perfect.